hello and welcome to Beyond the Shelf, live from the Specification Management Summit in Nashville, Texas. Nashville, Texas. That's that's how I know it's the end. You know, Rob? I know where you're thinking you're at, but it's, you're not there. I was already thinking about next year. Yes. You just asked me where it was going to be. We were talking about that. We're going Beyond the Shelf with Rod Patch from Johnson & Johnson. Uh, this is a special episode because awesome. I've known you for a long time, and usually... When I prepare to interview someone, I'll go through and like put together a list of questions I want to make sure I cover. But for you, I've always just enjoyed our conversations. And so I, I really wanted to just have that here today. Could you just introduce yourself to for those listening on kind of who you are and, and your career and background? Well, I like to normally keep things pretty simple. So Rod Patch, Johnson & Johnson, currently with the Vision Business Unit of Johnson & Johnson based in Jacksonville. And uh, a long career there, always package engineering, medical packaging, and sterile barrier systems would be, I would say, more of my specialty and niche. Often product labeling, and currently I have both as a responsibility. Yeah. And, you know, I always tell people you're one of the smartest people I know. You flatter um, me. Because I'm like sterile barriers and packaging. Um, but what I really wanted to talk to you about today, typically on the show, I have folks who are in food and beverage, you know, product development or beauty packaging, you know, things that as consumers we're very familiar with. But one of the things I'm very passionate about, as you know, are, are medical devices. Um, and it seems like a very silly thing uh, to have a passion for, but it's something that has impacted uh, my life and my family very directly. And I think it touches a lot of people. Uh, and we don't really know a lot about the history of medical devices and medical packaging. So for, for those listeners, uh, my dad, uh, when he was about, I think, seven or eight years old, got diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. At the time, there, there were no drugs to prevent that disease from really ravaging you. Um, and so he ended up bedridden for many years. Um, and he was the first person, I believe, in the state of Connecticut to have a bilateral hip replacement. And that enabled him to walk again. And he's He's the bionic man. He's had countless surgeries. He's got hips, hip replacements, knee replacements, a finger joint replacement, you know, an ankle replacement. You know, if you name the medical device, um, orthopedic related, he probably has it. And I have a lot of memories growing up of going to visit him in the hospital and seeing what that was like. Um, and I was just so fascinated when I met you to think about, you know, how does it get there? How does it, you know, get to my dad, get to the surgeon in a way where it's not disruptive, it's sanitary. You know, I just realized there was so much to it. And you've really opened my eyes uh, to everything around medical devices. How did you fall into the industry? Well, I would start with, I also share a passion mm -hmm. for medical device packaging. And it's an area where I get to do something that I really enjoy. I get to use engineering skills. I get to use science of material skills. And I also get to use some business skills to bring a packaging system to life. Mm -hmm. And it's that combination that uh, I find very uh, challenging, but also rewarding when you do, when you do have that moment of this is how I'm going to solve the problem of designing a sterile barrier system that I know I can distribute to my destinations and it will stay sterile. It'll stay safe. It'll stay protected. Not only are we often protecting the device from outside hazards, but we're also in many cases, especially in the orthopedic world, protecting the packaging system from this very aggressively textured, coated, 
metal sharp object that wants to destroy your packaging system every chance it gets. Uh, so I do find that a very rewarding. Yeah. I think about those titanium hips and I'm like, how do they not rip through the plastic? How do they, how do you get it to the doctor? So they, they unwrap it and they're literally putting it in your body. You know, medical devices can be many things, obviously, you know, I'm very familiar with the orthopedic side, uh, but it can also include others. Can you talk a little bit about the devices that you help package at Johnson and Johnson? So I've had the joy and the pleasure of uh, going through about every single medical device business that J&J has either owned or still owns. And it's a wide range. And that's uh, everything that we have in the orthopedic space. We have spinal devices. Uh, Ethicon Sutures is a very well-known brand and, and probably the leading brand in the suture space. And so that's a medical device as well. Uh, we also have some uh, cardio projects and cardio products. And we had, uh, stents and shunts and all kinds of things that, uh, helped us give patients additional life. And we even have, uh, breast implants in our oh, portfolio. Okay. <laughs> Another medical device that, um, I do like to talk about, and it's, it's where I'm at with vision. Not only do we have interocular lenses for cataract surgery, but we have one of the few medical devices in our portfolio that the consumer actually gets to select, purchase, open, and put the device on. And that's our contact lenses. Mm -hmm. I think that business is fascinating. And I always love looking back because as consumers, we don't appreciate the change that's happened in a very short amount of time. My mom, you know, wears glasses. And I remember growing up, she, she would have contact lenses. And I remember every morning seeing her clean them, you know, put, put them in her eye, take them out, you know, and that's really not the case today. The contact lenses have changed a great deal. Can you talk a little bit about the innovation you've seen there and how there's a huge implications for packaging as well? And there is. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the journey that contact lenses have been uh, going through from an innovation cycle has moved away and there's still product offerings in this space, but moved away from the reusable model into more of the disposable model. That means you're opening up a new set of contact lenses every morning, every day, putting them and using them and then disposing of them when you're done with that day. The reason behind that actually came from uh, the eye care professional side or the optometrist side just says uh, customers or patients or users in this case, consumers are horrible at cleaning their lenses. Hmm. They are they don't comply. They don't wash their hands well. They don't rinse the lenses well. They don't soak them. And, and out of that comes complications in your eye health. And if you don't take care of your contact lenses in a reusable model, you can have a lot of problems in your eye health. So the solve is take the consumer out of the equation, mm. dispose, open a new set. Got it. So, you know, it's interesting because you know, we've talked a lot about sustainability and in a way it seems like, oh, that would challenge it, but it really is for the health of the consumer. And I always say it, it's like, if we as consumers knew better, you wouldn't have to engineer around us. Um, but it, you know, we're human. I, I, the analogy of washing our hands on, it's true. Like people barely brush their teeth. I feel like so expecting them to clean these contact lenses is kind of crazy, but you know, I think there's also an ecosystem around the contact lens that's really grown eye drops and things like that. How do you think about kind of the whole ecosystem around that solution? Well, in a lot of our, in a lot of the medical devices I talked about previously, 
there would be several layers of packaging components to create that overall packaging system. The villa materials could be seven, 10, even 15 components deep to be able to have everything you need to deliver a packaging system that meets the requirements. In the contact lenses, it's two to three components mm. uh, most often. So it is, it is a very efficient packaging system from that perspective. And so where some of the innovation has come in is we're very mindful of the materials we're using. The materials we use are selected for fundamentally their first function, protect the product and deliver it safe and make sure it maintains the sterile barrier. But these materials can be engineered and innovated on to try to take any other extra waste out of them, uh, take weight out of them, reduce their overall footprint of use as much as possible. So definitely the reduced model. We have, we like to uh, talk about our contact lens packaging system as one of the lowest weight contact lens systems on the market that still provides high user experience and functionality. There are other systems that have lower weight, but they sacrifice a lot. They really don't enable the opening function. They don't really enable the identification or the communication function. So you got to keep those user experience properties alive in your system while reducing as much material as possible. Oh, that's fascinating. And the scale at which you operate is unbelievable. I mean, how many contact lenses are you making a day, do you think? Well, our, I'll, I'll give you an annual number. It's in the billions. Wow. Um, and the amount of product that we make is a very, very large quantity, of course. And that's, um, that's barely meeting really as much consumers who could be contact wearers out there. So the opportunity is huge. That's unbelievable. And, you know, this podcast for me is really about highlighting the people behind these amazing things that we use. And, you know, if there's no, if there's no packaging team, there's no, no contact lens getting to the consumer um, because the distribution methods have changed. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, are still, are people picking it up in a pharmacy? Are they getting a ship to them? How has that changed over the years? No, that's, that's a great question. And and I, th I think I'd also just you know, ground set our, our audience on this fact, right? When we were doing reusable model contact lenses, some were monthlies and then some were every two week wear. So you needed 12 per eye or you needed uh, 30 a year. Now you need 365 hmm. per eye. And so that has exasperated a lot of the volume of production that we need to, to maintain. The... Uh, distribution model has also evolved for customers want convenience. Customers want to their door delivery. And you have a medical device that you can only in the United States can only get with a script. You have to go to a professional, get a script, get fitted, and then you have access to that product. But you can take your script just like you can with glassware and choose where I want to purchase that. Hmm. You can do online purchasing. You can buy directly from manufacturers now. You can go right to AccuView.com and buy your contact lenses with a script. Uh, so the, the opportunities for finding and getting your contact lenses are multiple online models, but also you can get them directly from your eye care professional. They can also provide those for you. They have inventory. And so many of us use contact lenses or know people who use them. You're making billions a year. Uh, what's the packaging team 
look like that does all this behind the scenes and makes it so seamless? Not nearly large enough, um, but we have talented individuals that that are specialists in the materials. We have talented individuals that know uh, the processing equipment that we use, the sealing equipment that seals the materials together. Uh, we have injection molding as part of our our packaging system. So we have experts in injection molding. And then we have experts in the folding carton. And we do, you know, all inline cartoning, labeling, laser etching. Uh, we have talented individuals that have the skills and the capabilities for all of these process functions that we got to bring the, the system to life. I remember uh, when I met you down in Jacksonville a few years ago, I got to walk through and see some of this. And it's amazing how efficient these things are. And it, it is that assembly line and it's just fascinating. And, you know, I, the reason I wanted you to explain it is when people think about packaging, they think about a brown, brown box. Yeah. And when we talk about medical devices, you know, and they, they can be so many different things and they're packaged in so many different ways. And there's so much complexity and, and some really smart people behind the scenes engineering all of this to make it work seamlessly at very high volumes, 365. Yeah, there's a in, internally we like to kind of almost think of our manufacturing lines on the scale of the investment that an airline company would make in an airplane. And when you're investing in a manufacturing line that's got that type of capital footprint, it needs to run. It needs to produce and it needs to produce effectively, efficiently and consistently. And so we cannot afford to not have lines producing products. Mm -hmm. You know, that model has to work. And we could say this about almost every manufacturer. It's just the scale of investment is huge. Mm -hmm. And I use the airline analogy um, a little bit because think about airplanes are, you can't take them out of service. You can't afford to have them not doing their next leg, their next run. They have to continuously be flying to make the model of the financial investment work. And that's, that's where this is. And then to compound that, we can't get the lines in fast enough for the demand that we see that we, that our customers are asking for in our products. Yeah. That's, I don't know how you do it. And you seem so calm right now. <laughs> I would be like having a million things running through my head at each time. Um, you know, I get to talk to a lot of companies in, in healthcare. And like I said, it's a space that I'm passionate about. And you introduced me to a term a few years ago that I had no awareness of. And today I think most of us would have awareness and that's cold chain packaging. Can you talk a little bit about what cold chain packaging is um, and what that addresses? Well, it's definitely a, a term that um, I didn't invent by no means. Cold chain has been around a long time. It is a specialty style of meeting the needs of a product requirement, which must maintain its temperature to a profile through its distribution to its destination. And so in very simple concept. You're in essence putting the product in a cooler and making sure the cooler can survive the hazards that you need to ship that cooler through to get to its destination. And cooler sizes range everything from your small handheld carrier cooler all the way up to big pallet size, truck boxes, you name it. So there is a wide variety of size and range. And we talk in payload size. We talk in what's the profile. Is it refrigerated? Is it frozen? The products have different temperature requirements and those product, uh, those temperature requirements keep the product stable. Often this is in our space drugs. Yeah. And I, I think the reason most of us are not familiar with this is um, when the COVID vaccines came out, some of them did have uh, temperature 
requirements in order, you know, when you talk about medical packaging, it's all about maintaining that efficacy, right? That by the time it gets to the consumer, the person that it still works like it was designed to work. And for drugs, I know we've gone a little, you know, med device to drugs, but that temperature is so important. I'm just imagining you putting all these things in Yetis and shipping them across the country, but I know you don't do that. How do you transport that stuff? Well, and it, it's a huge cost. It really is. And so where where our journey came together is I had an opportunity to take a, a role in J&J to try to do better in our distribution of cold chain product. And I had done some distribution center visits and walking up and down the aisle, seeing their, what was on their shelves for what payload systems they were using and where they were getting them from. And the theme was consistent center to center was you have four to five versions of a of a cooler or a, a temperature controlled packaging system that was qualified for the same temperature profile was giving you a very similar payload of what you can fill inside that cooler and yet you're using five different variations not really taking advantage of scale economy efficiency and in, in building a, a deep supplier relationship partner relationship yeah and this might be where you're going. This is this is what the opportunity for us with Specrite. Mm. Uh, we came to you and we brought Specrite um, into our use case scenario. We loaded it with this information from all these different distribution sites and centers. And Specrite gave us an unprecedented view of the complexity that we were using in, in cold chain distribution. And we found many opportunities to reduce, to consolidate, and it wasn't just about what one site was using, but that cooler would go from one distribution center to another. That center would unpack that cooler, stage the product, and then get ready to send it to its next destination and often using a very different cooler. Why? <clears throat> so we found throughout this process all of these examples in, in, in the use of the system, giving us the ability to load the data, the attributes that we wanted to understand in the system, help us identify opportunities for reduction cost savings. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate you saying that. Um, it wasn't where I was going genuinely. I, but I think it, it does lead me to my next point, which is packaging and medical device have both been truly disrupted by technology, but in different ways. Yep. Um, medical devices, it just seems like they're getting better and better and, you know, just really changing how people live their lives. Um, and, and on the packaging side, technology is disrupting it because it's allowing us to do things like, you know, consolidate packaging, reduce, you know, how much material, understand how much material we're using so we can track sustainability. Where do you see the intersection of technology, packaging and med device? So it is, I'll add to this, the landscape of regulatory requirements are getting tremendously more complex and those requirements are giving, uh, putting demand on us to be able to have a, a product that is made for a global market and a global use, but cannot be delivered in a global packaging system without all these additional country specific requirements being met. How do you do that? How do you do that efficiently? How do you do that in a way that's not wasteful? Those are, those are very challenging problems for us right now. Um, I was using this example earlier today uh, with our friend that was here from Lorax and a very much of an expert in extended producer responsibilities. 
I said, I bought a product the other day that had nine different recycling symbols on it. Why? You know, and that's how that manufacturer was choosing to solve the problem of every one of these markets are coming up with their own scheme for how the product needs to be labeled, identified, what, what the information for the consumer needs to be. They're all trying to communicate the same thing, but they're asking it to be communicated in different ways. Mm -hmm. And that has exasperated itself into the medical device side as well. What is the regular, what is like the regulation and the labeling, um, regarding, is it like what ingredients are in it? Or, you know, I think of like, is it hazardous to be transported? What is it that you need to notify someone of on that package? Well, the fundamental labeling in the medical device space usually comes in, you know, what is, is it sterile or non-sterile? If it's sterile, what are the modality of sterilization? What, what type of sterilization was used to sterilize this product? Mm. What was its manufacturing date? When is its expiration date? Every sterile package system must carry an expiration date that says the manufacturer, in essence, is guaranteeing this packaging system, if not damaged, is sterile to this date. Now, this is the conundrum, and this is a fun, a fun part of what I get involved with a lot is sterility is not time-related. Like the clock does sudden does not just make a package non-sterile. It's event related, but the requirements say that you have to prove it. Mm -hmm. So now you come back to a time related communication to your customer of here's the expiration date. This is the amount of time I was willing to prove it, it stayed sterile. Yeah, I, I'm I'm chuckling because it reminds me, I, I interviewed Brittany Orr, who you met today. Uh, she actually hosted our, our conference that we were just at. Um, and I remember asking her, she she does product development for for the food industry. And I was like, Brittany. I don't look, like, what's the difference between use by and sell by? And I remember she gave a similar answer of like, basically, I don't want to quote her, but it, my takeaway was one of them doesn't really matter or, or whatever. Um, and it's just so interesting to me that, you know, those requirements exist. They exist for a good reason. But to your point, it's the engineering um, logic and facts don't prove out necessarily to what the label is, but it's still required for for whatever reason. Um, which is interesting. Yes. But uh, what are you most excited about when you think about where medical devices as an industry are going? You know, we can look back over, over the time period here and then on, my time period has been much longer than most. So I, I may have a longer horizon of thinking about this, but I look at material innovation, the choices now that I have and, and the generation of packaging engineers coming into this space have for what materials they can choose to make a packaging system out of. I mean, it's got to be tenfold from where I started. And when I did start in this industry, uh, we had a very disjointed regulatory global situation. We had very much country specific thoughts on how sterile packaging should be demonstrated safe for use. Mm -hmm. And I'd boil it down to that because fundamentally, that's really what it's about. Make sure this packaging system is safe for use and is protecting the sterility and is protecting the product. There's a lot of different ways people had ideas on how to make that happen. And those ideas started to show up in countries' regulations differently. And so this is, in, in, in this industry, we refer to a document called ISO 11607. This is pre-ISO 11607. And what Europe was doing and what and what we were doing in the U.S. and what China wanted and what 
different country Japan wanted was was similar but not the same and that was a very challenging space and we as an industry helped bring the conversation to let's have a global standard and that global standard got created it had a lot of conversations about what are the requirements and what that needs to look like but it but it happened and that standard has been able to keep the the test of time over the years of being the document the go-to bible per se on sterile barrier packaging what i'm seeing right now happen though is especially in sustainability and environmental requirements another chaotic event of everyone being disjointed yeah. not being connected and not being to a global standard it's funny because sustainability was a big topic at, at our conference and I got some feedback from executives and, uh, one of the, one of the pieces of feedback was, I was like, this is exactly my point. Someone said, I learned so much about each of, you know, net zero EPR, UK plastics tax, you know, you name it. She's like, but I left more confused about what to do. And that was actually my point of the conference is showing that's not the whole point of the, of the event, obviously, but was showing how you can't do anything if you don't have your data. Right. And the, and the reality is those standards are not, well, they're not standardized. That's the problem. Um, and they are important and they're coming down. And, and, you know, I think as someone who's dealt with regulatory pressure, you're well positioned and you've adopted kind of that data driven approach to how you do your job. And so you'll, you'll hopefully be ahead of the curve on this. And I, I think that, and I know that you are, um, but it's an exciting and challenging time for folks. What, what advice would you give people, um, you know, who are, who are on the journey? Well, I mean, let's just talk about why I'm here. I'm here because I wholeheartedly believe in the mindset of having the specification, right? Okay. Love that. Love that tagline. Love that mindset. Love that approach. But it's also, it has to be in a format that's highly usable. It has to be uh, highly configurable and it has to be highly connected. I need to connect this data to more sources of truth than ever before. And I have more data fields to collect than ever before. Okay. We got to get out of the days of paper. We got to get out of the days of thinking we can do this in word, Excel, you name it. This has to be a database approach with fields that allow me the opportunity to create the relationships with the data that I need to create such that I can show the evidence that we have the data and we can support the requirements. Yeah, I love that. And, and for those, you know, not familiar with some of these concepts, it's essentially behind every product and package is all of this kind of live data that it takes to, to make them, uh, which is something that I know you and I are excited about. Uh, I know we're both exhausted at the end of, of two and a half days, but it's been, I've had a lot of fun. I appreciate you coming. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, you have a conference coming up that I'm very excited to attend. Uh, can you tell our listeners about the Packout? The Packout. Yes. Happy to discuss this. This is a, a conference that uh, we're in our year two of the event. It'll be in Austin, Texas, May 9th. And uh, this conference is focused on the medical device industry. And it's a conference that is intended to be a premium experience conference with premium content. Uh, premium speakers, and the conference is for everyone from not even knowing about medical packaging to the veteran, tenured, expert, professor, you name it. 
uh, it's got something for everyone. And so we're very happy to, uh, and it's not just me, but it's a group of people that have come together to bring this event to life. And we all had and have the same shared passion to really give back to this industry as much as possible. And one of the ways we're trying to give back is the, is the hosting of this conference, which allows conversations to happen, networking to happen, uh, education to happen, connection. Well, I really appreciate it. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to attending and learning so much. And and also just want to say thank you. I think it's really admirable that you're, you know, bringing people together. Again, this is, <laughs> these are things that will probably touch all of us someday. And so I really appreciate how much thought and how much you guys care about this. So uh, the passion comes through. Thank you. Well, typically we do a wrap up segment, but I feel like we should just go to, you know, maybe we go to the bar and get a drink after this instead. What do you think? Whatever you want. All right. This is the Product and Packaging Podcast. I'm Laura Fodi. Rod, thank you so much for, for joining us. How can people uh, follow you or learn more about the Packout? Well, the Packout has its own website. It's got its own LinkedIn page. It's very accessible on a lot of social media platforms. And so uh, it's that simple, thepackout.com. It'll get you there. And we also uh, have an opportunity to communicate with us at info at thepackout.com. I love it. Uh, Rod, safe travels back to Florida. Uh, and thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. Beyond the Shelf is presented by Specrite, the first cloud-based platform for specification management. Say goodbye to spreadsheets, share drives, and legacy systems, and digitize your specs in a secure single source of truth. With Specrite, you can easily share and collaborate on specs with other departments and across your entire supply chain network. Taking a spec-first approach enables you to accelerate product and packaging development, go to bid faster, report on sustainability, and ultimately spend less time chasing data and more time making amazing things. To learn more, visit specright.com. That's S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T.com.